Greetings, Nerdcasters, and welcome to our special debate night edition of the Nerdcast, one where we have a lot to unpack after the most combative debate so far of the Democratic presidential primary. I was just, I was thinking there's going to be a boxing rematch on Saturday in Vegas, and those guys should go down there. Viva Las Vegas. Uh, Let's get ready to rumble! We got fights of all kinds springing up on Wednesday night. Elizabeth Warren really kicked things off with a devastating indictment of Mike Bloomberg's treatment of women. I'd like to talk about who we're running against. A billionaire who calls women fat broads and horse-faced lesbians. And no, I'm not talking about Donald Trump. I'm talking about Mayor Bloomberg. Amy Klobuchar and Pete Buttigieg continued the running battle that's been going on for several debates now. Literally in uh, part of the committee that's overseeing these things. And we're not able to speak to literally the first thing about the politics of the country to ourselves. Are you trying to say that I'm dumb or are you mocking me here, Pete? Bloomberg and Bernie Sanders skirmished, you know, the billionaire versus the socialist. I can't think of a ways that would make it easier for Donald Trump to get reelected than listening to this conversation. It's ridiculous. And then sometimes everything just completely broke down. Wow, Scott. <laughs> Here to help me wade through the night's fireworks is Chris Catalago, one of Politico's national political reporters. Chris, thank you for joining us. Yes, thank you, Scott. All right, so normally we pick apart one key moment, but we had too many. We had too many to pick from tonight. This debate was a veritable buffet of spicy meatballs, and so instead we are going to talk about three things that we took away from this uh, two-hour slugfest in Las Vegas. Number one. Elizabeth Warren came to play, going after Bloomberg right from the gun. Democrats take a huge risk if we just substitute one arrogant billionaire for another. But she really went after everyone. She criticized everyone's health care plan in one memorable exchange. Uh, Mayor Buttigieg, it's not a plan, it's a PowerPoint. And Amy's plan is even less. It's like a post-it note. Insert plan here. And generated a lot of enthusiasm for a campaign that was in trouble. Yeah. I think we could say that her strategy for this debate probably fit on a post-it note and it was uh, to, I guess in her words, persist. But she she basically came out like uh, like her back was against the wall. I mean, we know we know how she did in Iowa and, and New Hampshire and we know how she has to do in Nevada and probably South Carolina to get to Super Tuesday, which she's been telling everyone – she plans to do, but uh, with a debate performance like tonight, we know she's already raised, I think, uh, well over a million dollars mm-hmm. announced just post-debate. The fact that she had Bloomberg there as as a major foil for her, she she really capitalized on that, probably more than Bernie Sanders did, um, going after him with a, a lot of sort of prepared material. And uh, it, it seems to have really paid off for her. And I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the money, Chris, because I think that's such an important barometer of first of all we it's it's just you know it's we can watch these things and say it's like oh it seems like she did well this is a sign that like there are other people out there you know normal people who watch these things who yes they thought she did well and she's she's taking momentum out of this and it's momentum that she can bottle and use to try to compete in some of these states that are coming up especially super tuesday which is going to be super expensive 
Yeah, and I mean, this is the Elizabeth Warren that like the country came to know. I mean, this is the this is the Warren everyone wanted to run in 2016 that has been missing now for the last couple months in this race. She was trying to kind of be this unity voice and and not come out and be this fighter that that she started off as. And I think this is what her supporters really wanted to see. This has kind of been bottled up over the last few weeks. They've been talking about erasure of her and how she you know has fallen off of some polls and and so I think this is going to make them very happy. Um, the big question for her is a, uh, a lot of her supporters have sort of drifted over to Bernie Sanders and um, there are others out there who have kind of taken her her thunder. And so I think the, the question early on is whether she can she can come back and whether this is enough. Yeah. So that was our first takeaway. Number two, a related point. Mike Bloomberg took a big hit on Wednesday night, stumbled on stop and frisk. If I go back and look at my time in office, the one thing that I'm um, really worried about, embarrassed about, was how it turned out um, with stop and frisk. When the mayor says that he apologized, listen very closely to the apology. The language he used is about stop and frisk. It's about how it turned out. Now, this isn't about how it turned out. This is about what it was designed to do to begin with. It targeted communities of color. It targeted black and brown men from the beginning. And if you want to issue a real apology, then the apology has to start with the intent of the plan as it was put together and the willful ignorance day by day by day of admitting what was happening, even as people protested in your own street. The first five minutes of the debate was basically just a mass pile on. And so now we're going to find out just how these two hours of, of shakiness on the debate stage weigh up against the, what, $400 million of advertising he's aired so far that has put him right in the middle of this presidential race. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we can assume that the, all the people that have seen his ads, his $400 million plus in ads, watch this debate. But I think Oh, absolutely. Can, That's a great point. Yeah. But, but I do think we can assume that a lot of them will be watching how this debate is talked about and, and it, just how bad it gets for him. Our, our commentators and, and other folks talking about this just being sort of a, a death knell for his campaign? Or are they saying that you know, he might be able to get over this and he was having, you know, as his campaign has tried to spin it, he hasn't debated since 2009. All of them have been through eight debates. Uh, you know, he did what he had to do, got off a nice line about all the homes that Bernie Sanders owns. Um, so I think that's that's going to be a big part of it. This next South Carolina debate, which he's already qualified for, is probably going to be the one that people really base their decision off of for Super Tuesday. This could be sort of a one-off where he he needs to get back in the game. And he sort of felt like a sitting president, who an incumbent who hasn't debated in four years and just gets up there and it sort of looks like they got, you know, punched in the nose in the first minute. Are you suggesting that people with $60 billion don't usually get challenged very much in their everyday life? Yeah, all those times he's, he's on the subway and people are screaming <laughs> in his face and all the exposure he gets to uh, to folks out there who use TurboTax as he, uh, as he joked about how he can't just do his own taxes on TurboTax. Yeah, so I think the key question, obviously, as you pointed out, is first of all, just what is the reach of this debate, right? But then coming up next is was this a one-off? Is he, like so many incumbent presidents we've seen, does, is he able to recover and kind of use this experience to have a better debate next time? Or is he just a bad debater? We'll find out. Could be could be pretty important going forward. Yeah, and how far does Joe Biden fall, right? If, if the bottom falls out in 
Nevada, and then he doesn't even win South Carolina. That gives sort of new life to Bloomberg. Mm, um, if, if Biden can recover. I thought Biden did pretty well tonight. Yeah, yeah. If he can recover, if he comes in second in Nevada and then wins South Carolina, I don't know. Maybe the rationale for Bloomberg just isn't there. Yeah, maybe. I kind of thought everyone more or less did, did pretty well except Bloomberg tonight. Um, all right. That's two takeaways. Number three, Bernie Sanders. He's the front runner in the national polls. He's the front runner in Nevada, which is coming up on Saturday. Didn't really seem to get the attention you would assume a, a frontrunner would get. You know, the debate opened with Lester Holt of NBC baiting uh, uh, Sanders and Bloomberg trying to set up this this big fight, you know, trying to trying to set up conflict around Sanders. And it seemed like he mostly got in his licks and took relatively little incoming in return, which is a pretty good situation to be for someone who, again, is, is leading the polls, is favored to win the caucuses on Saturday, just won the New Hampshire primary. I could go on. Yeah, the shiny object in Bloomberg sort of deflected some of the attention from Bernie. This is sort of like what we've been saying about this race from the beginning, right? He's continued to do really well. And he's now the front runner in the race, but he's not necessarily getting that front runner treatment. And the other thing I'd say about Sanders, and I don't think he gets enough credit for this, is he's been doing this now for like a cycle and a half. I mean, he debated in 2016. He's he's now been through nine debates. I think he's He's better at this than he gets credit for. In terms um, of being able to deflect And get his message and, out there and mm-hmm. like just not get thrown off his game. I mean you just you, – you see him as a fairly consistent figure in these things. I mean you know – you almost know what he's going to say and, and I think that takes some skill not to get sort of thrown off. I mean he's been saying these things for like 50 years so it's, it's – maybe, maybe it's not as, uh, as difficult as it seems. That's a really great point. No, he, he, he seems to always perform – uh, up there, and uh, obviously, I, th- I think benefited from I think being at, at least as much on the front foot as he was dealing with um, uh, incoming. And certainly, when the incoming is coming from Michael Bloomberg, I think that that helps too. That that's a fight he would love to have every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Yeah, and Bloomberg um, like essentially called him a communist. We're not going to throw out capitalism. We tried that. Other countries tried that. It was called communism, and it just didn't work. Literally, oh. and and for him to keep his cool on that and not not freak out about it, I think, uh, showed that he's been through this before and, and you know, kind of knows how to handle the, the pressure. Yeah. All right. Well, we've been through this before. We knew how to handle the pressure. We just did it. Another late night nerd cast in the books. My thanks to Chris Catalago for jumping in here after the debate. Thank you so much, Chris. Of course. Thank you. All right. That'll do it. In the words of NBC's Chuck Todd. We are at the end here. We are at the end here. I got to let that one go. We're at the end here. And we got to go. Our producer tonight is Annie Reese. Our senior producer is Jenny Ament. And our executive producer is Irene Noguchi. Once again, thank you for joining us. Guess what? We'll be back with you on Friday with our regular episode. And then we'll be back with you over the weekend to break down the results of the Nevada caucuses, which are taking place on Saturday. Whew. Busy, busy. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you again soon.